Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Kevmat Video Podcast. This is my first ever episode documenting my journey through the streets of Los Angeles. In episode one, I will be discussing my interview with OG Cutes of the West Side Magnificent Seven Crips, and I'll be answering questions posted on my YouTube page. Oh, uh, yeah. Last time I checked, Cutes was a bona fide rider from the West Side Baby Crips. Now, Cutes being born in 1957 makes him a lot younger than Jeeves like Big Took, Melvin Hardy, Mike Conception, and guys like that. He was even a year behind Barefoot Pookie, who was also a rider in his heyday. So from the mentorship of guys like that, Cutes couldn't help but be a down little sucker. You know what I'm saying? So Cutes made a name for himself fighting through Juvenile Hall in the streets of Los Angeles to the penitentiary. And when you hear names like Mouse, Cutes, and Rusty, those names are synonymous because they was brothers who was all part of the Magnificent Seven. That baby brother, Lucky, and then Machine Gun Rusty had later joined up with the A-Trade Gangsta Crips. But... You know, uh, this was a part of history that had been missing. And uh, Tookie mentioned him in Blue Rage, Black Redemption. He talked about uh, Miles being Cute's brother. And uh, they all grew up in the same neighborhood in the 60s, east of Western, near Dinker. And, um, you know, I I had known Cute's cousin, Blue, Chucky's brother, Blue grew up in the neighborhood, Blue's from 60s, and uh, I got a homeboy, Boo, whose brother, Squally D, rest in peace, his older brother, uh, he was tight with Cutes, and uh, they lived in the neighborhood as well, and uh, so Boo ended up in the penitentiary with Cutes, and when he got out, and Cutes got out after the... Uh, life sentence he did, he went by the house, you know, to to check on the family. And so I had heard he came by there. So I hollered at Blue and tried to get in touch with him. Blue hooked me up with his sister. And, uh, you know, she she was taught not to give up too much information. So she didn't didn't really make no efforts and put me in touch with Cutes. However, Cutes ended up getting Facebook. And we hooked up on Facebook. And it felt like I already knew the brother. So he told me, uh, give him a call. I called him up. We talked briefly. And uh, he was unwilling to do an interview, which was understandable for for many reasons. But I was persistent. And I I continued to pursue him. And uh, just when I thought I could convince him to do an interview, he too felt compelled to do the interview. So when he told me to meet him down in San Diego, shit, I didn't hesitate to go down there and uh just to make just to make it, you know, fun and worthwhile, I decided to surprise him by bringing Barefoot Pookie with me. And so we went down there and shit. I don't smoke. I'm not a I'm not a drug user, but I uh I'll hit a blunt maybe twice a year at the most. And, you know, uh, on special occasions. So I was feeling good and shit. It's like a special occasion because it's my birthday month, too. So, 
you know, uh, I bought a little goody good and choked on that. You know, it was a one hit a quitter. So really, you know, I didn't really get high. You know what I'm saying? But um, those two dudes don't drink. So uh, I had, had, had picked up a bottle of Remy, but since they didn't drink, you know, I say that shit and drink myself. But uh, I drink, I drink sociably. But again, it's my birthday month, and I was feeling good, so I had a little sip by myself. Now, getting back to Cutes, dude's a cool brother, man. He, you could tell he's down. He's confident in his speech. You know, uh, he kind of talks proper, like a white boy, but he got that that black slang, that ghetto slang. So you know, he ain't faking it. You know, and, uh, you know, he kept his name up pretty good in the penitentiary. And so, you know, Cutes is definitely an OG on the West Side that a, guy, a lot of guys got respect for, a lot of guys looked up to. You know, this ain't no Rudy Poot uh, interviewer right here, interviewee, or whatever you call it. Uh, and so uh, this was definitely like finding a diamond in the rough. And... Uh, he cut, Cutes ended up cutting the, the interview short because he said he didn't want to give up too much info at the time. And he's supposed to be doing another interview uh, soon with somebody from A-Trey Gangster. And then uh, he said he would, he would, he would hook up and, and do some more interviewing. So I look forward to that later on. Uh, we don't have a date or, or, or nothing set, but he's definitely a cool dude. And I look forward to continuing our friendship without question. And the guy has a wealth of information. He, you know, like he said, he didn't want to share too much. So he didn't share a whole lot. But in this interview, he does talk about uh, his brothers joining A-Trey Gangsters. He talks about uh, how silly you can be if you want to continue violence because violence got him a life sentence. And, you know, we chopped it up off camera, man, just some good, genuine conversation and some stories of the penitentiary, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, he mentions BGF, but off camera, he has some good stories of himself with the AB, the Mexican Mafia, BGF, you know, uh, when you do a lot of time on a level four, uh, those are the type of guys you're going to run across and cutes being that he was a hitter. He did a lot of time in the hole. I think he said he did eight years in the shoe. So, you know, he was with a lot of the shot callers from the different prison gangs. And, you know, uh, he seen who a lot of the, the reputables from the streets that, that, you know, wasn't so solid and some that was real solid. And he even had beef with a lot of dudes from different pris prison organizations that uh, he didn't want to discuss, which is understandable. And uh, I have a lot of respect for him for that. And so uh, just uh, I hope you really enjoyed his interviews. There'll probably be about five parts, four for sure. And um, I just hope you enjoy it, man. And I hope some of you other OGs will come out. You don't have to give your whole story. You don't have to give up too much. But just let us know who you are, who you ran with, and how you got put on. And... Uh, and, and, you know, when you got introduced to this crip shit, 
or this blood shit and pyro, whatever it is, and, and, and you know, just to share and leave your legacy behind and and give a positive message to the kids, man, so they don't end up fucking their life up like you fucked yours up or like I fucked mine up. You know, just keep that shit real and let them know it's a better way to go, man, because, you know, I know a lot of people regret the life that they lived. Yeah, but OG whoops your ass. And then you're going to come back and shoot the OG. That's crazy. If an OG beat my ass when I was a little kid, I would be like, oh, well, you know, I, I learned from it. But now you guys got this thing that someone whoops your ass and you want to kill them. You know, that's crazy. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make you a man. And when you go to the joint, you're going to start taking medication. You're going to be on medication because now you're afraid because you don't have your gun. You don't have your homeboys behind you. Like I told you. You got to learn that hand-to-hand combat to survive in there. And if you don't got the skills for hand-to-hand combat and how to disarm a person, take a weapon from a person, how to take a knife stabbing and not panic out and bleed out, you don't know how to tape yourself up, you don't know how to do these things, and you get in there, man, you're just going to be, man, somebody's bitch. So that was the Party Train by the Gap Band featured on their seventh album. The song was released in 1983, and if you go to YouTube and check out the video, you'll see Big Craig Munson in round two with a muscle shirt on. In round six, you'll see Big Mouse and Big Al flexing with no shirts on. The video was filmed at Venice Beach in sunny Southern California, also known as Muscle Beach, home to the Venice Shoreline Crips. Before I answer a few questions posted on my YouTube page, I want to get to this clip of Cutes talking about Jamel Barnes, the self-proclaimed founder of the Crips and Bloods, the godfather of all Crips and all Bloods. I knew Jamel, and, you know, I don't know what happened to Jamel's mind, you know, where, where his faculty is. But there's someone, you know, that puts a camera in his face, and I don't know if they do it out of humor or out of meanness or just, you know, part of a conspiracy to distort this, uh, this true crip history, you know. And if that's their plot to do that, and they're using him as their, uh, their patsy to do it, then, you know, the real recognizes the real. And I always just say that because when Donald Archie says that, you know, we know that this guy, if he was a crip, he would have been a baby crip. Because all you gotta do is check the school records. He went to Washington the same time I was at Washington. I left Washington in 75. He was going to Washington in 74. I introduced him and took in 74. Me and Vance Knox, whose eight ball's uncle was gonna knock a hole in him. And I pushed up on him and I said, what set are you from? Anybody who ever been to Washington back in the day, there was a part of Washington that was called Skid Row. And that's where all the G's would hang out. And he was over there on Skid Row with a green Vietnam bomber jacket on. 
And when we rode up, when I asked you what set you from, believe me, I'm coming because I'm asking you what set you from. All right, I'm gonna bring Tookie up here. Mm -hmm. So two two days went by, I convinced Tookie, hey, man, we're gonna go to jail. Cutes, come on, man. If I go back up there, they're gonna put me in jail. This and that, they told me don't come back up there. I said, come on, man, we're gonna go through the side gate. We'll go over there by where the shops are at. We're going to pull up in there and bank up over there by, the, by over there, man. We're going to be all right. And, and the shop teacher is my friend. We're like, I'm working on your car. Okay, sounds good. Remember the Lincoln? So he's in the gold Lincoln. That Lincoln wasn't black until after, you know, it was gold first. So me and Tookie, we we sitting in the Lincoln like our Roman chariot. So I got on my blue ace deuce. Took's bald head and it's shining, and we just going down Western, two miles an hour, all the way to Washington. And I mean two miles an hour. There's cars behind us, and they seeing in that car who we are, and they not blowing their horn. They either, looks like a funeral procession, and the ones who can't take it, they blowing behind cars that's behind other cars. But the car behind us ain't blowing. So we get to Washington, we pull up in there, Took gets out, I go get Jamil and bring him over there. Jamil comes over there, took, jumps out the car, and now everybody knows that the leader's there. So now we're drawing a big-ass crowd, and so Tookie gets out, and so he's talking, and this is how Took was. He didn't want a bunch of motherfuckers to come around when he's talking to somebody. He just wants you to stand back. So I let Took go up there with that dude, so we watch it. And now Took and him's talking, but he never comes out that green jacket. And Took's in a fucking slingshot. So Took comes back over there by me, and he says, he's all right. He don't want to peel out. And I says, okay. He says, I got to get out of here. Are you going to stay here, or are you coming back with me? I says, I'm going to stay here. I see, he says, okay, I'm out of here. So Took leaves. And now me and Jamel, we hang together a little while. So I get in trouble, go to juvenile hall. I come back, him and Took is like this. Jamel's in the hood, overtook South Buffett every day, every day. Saw so that shit about he show took out of the weights and he the, the Samson system. That's all new shit. He wasn't even caught Samson. I don't know who Samson, where he gets that from. His name was Jamel, and that's what his name was. So at least he creates this false following, and then he always try to jump behind the God cloth and all of this stuff. Hey, man, I believe in God, too. But I tell you one thing, when I was in the joint, I wasn't the kind of motherfuckers that would have one foot in the church and one foot on that main line. When I chose to believe in God, you could have believed the war was over. I didn't, I didn't do that to try to keep Pete off my ass. I'm not going to come out here and talk shit about people, and then all of a sudden now I'm holy roller. I'm not going to say all these bad things about people. That shouldn't be said because you got this frost following and you creating this distorted belief system in other people's head from your distorted belief system in your mind. I'm going to tell you one thing, man. You did not start the Crips. You never fought Raymond Washington. How could you? If you go to Washington with me in 74 and you said you and Raymond fought in front of Fremont in 68, you couldn't have been nothing but 11 years old. Raymond's a teenager then. He would have beat you down, dude. He would have said, get out of my face. Now, what happened is they pushed up in your little raggedy-ass projects, and they made you turn. And that's what you did, because you had to turn, because the big fish always swallowed a small fish. Actually, Cutes got that a little bit wrong.
Jamel Barnes was born in early 1955. That would make him 13 years old in 1968. A young Raymond would be 14 and a half going on 15, depending what time of year this incident actually took place. Now, what's unimaginable is a very popular, strong, built, muscular, wannabe gangbanging Raymond Washington fighting a less popular, not yet built, teased by all the students in junior high school, fighting Raymond seems unimaginable. All right, so I wasn't expecting over 100 questions. So what I'll do is I'll do another episode and it'll focus on the questions directed at me on my YouTube page. Now, for all the guys asking about an OG Mac interview, don't hold your breath. I really don't anticipate doing an interview based on the 60s or based on my gangbang career, you know, because I was multifaceted and, you know, like they say, a jack of all trades. So I was always into a lot of other things, man. I mean, a whole lot of other things. You know, so uh, I don't really see why I would concentrate on just that part of my life. And from a historical standpoint, because I came onto the scene in the 80s and uh, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of history there. But, uh, you know, I do have stories. I do got a lot of stories, though, you know, um. Maybe not the greatest stories, but it would give some insight into my life and my career in the streets. But now, the the biggest part is I don't like to be on camera. I don't mind still cameras, but video cameras, I've seen attempts up, and I really don't like the way I look on camera. I don't like the way I sound on camera, so uh, that's a big problem. And then... uh with that said, I do have an interview coming up, but it's not going to focus on just that. There's other aspects, including doing the interviews with these, these legends and these OG dudes. Uh, we'll talk about that. And then uh, lastly, and more importantly, there's a lot of reputable guys from my neighborhood. There's a lot that came before me, and there's a lot that did more than me. So I think it would only be right if those guys was thrust into the limelight other than myself, you know, as far as I have a platform and attention on me, I'd rather just keep doing it like I'm doing it. Uh, but if I can, and if, if God allows your support, I would like to uh, go to the next level. I would like to, you know, make this platform profitable to me because Contrary to belief, I'm not making no money off this shit. And, you know, guys make all these claims of buying all this KM apparel and donate money. That's a lie. There's only a handful of people. And um, I'm very thankful for those few people. But if we're going to have a real movement, a large movement, or you want to see me traveling to other towns, we're going to really need some donations or... Uh, you know, if anybody can step up and offer memorabilia that we can sell or clothing that we can sell, I'm all for that. If anybody can help me with advertisement on this podcast, I'm all for that. 
uh, have old magazines in stock that people can still purchase uh, maybe six or seven magazines. Um, so I'll be posting a link to that. Or uh, I know issue six is on eBay, but um, I'll try to make it available online or you can just put the money in PayPal and I'll fulfill your order. Uh, but until we figure that out, you can get at me with some ideas. And uh, until then, I'd like to say peace and prosperity. Thanks for listening. Um, I hope to have more episodes up soon and answer all of your questions. You can go to my videos on YouTube at Kev Mac Videos. Check the description of the videos. And in there, you will find a donate at PayPal. Copy the link. Put in your browser. Uh, if you do it straight from YouTube, you might get blocked because YouTube doesn't allow third-party links in case of fraud or hackers. And... Uh, you can also check the Patreon link. And uh, be sure to like, leave a comment, and subscribe. Also, I would like to build up my Instagram, BigKevMac1. That's B-I-G-K-E-V-M-A-C and the number one on Instagram. Peace.